Hey, what's up, people? This is episode 51 of the Option Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Beach Volleyball National Events. Beach Volleyball National Events is the biggest get notice showcase in the United States of America. We're in Texas, we're in Florida, we're in Arizona, we're in the Carolinas, most recently in New Jersey. So if you're looking for your kid to get noticed or a good volleyball player, we have as many as 20 to 25 recruiters out there. Always, always on the prowl, always looking for their kids or for the next big college star. That is LSU, that's F. FSU, that's LMU, USC, UCLA, you name it, anything that, that ends with you. It's also brought to you by NY Varsity Sports. That's me. That's me, the NYV. Watching me, watching you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Option. This is episode 51, and the episode starts right now. <laughs> We broke our big 5-0 and now we're on the 5-1. All of you have asked and now you shall receive. From my actors and my, my, my Marymount people from New York, I got to give the people, give the people what they want. William Farrell. What's good, man? Hey, man. It's been a minute, good to, bro. Uh, <laughs> good to be here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of my few special skills. Yeah, you still sound like Richard Gere. <laughs> so anyone listening, anyone listening to the audio audio version, I could just say Richard Gere and they believe you. You know, then they'll see the video. Yeah, and we, it's we like, can pretend. Yeah, I mean, we can pretend. I can I can do that all night. Then they see the video and it's like, wait, it's King Leonidas. <laughs> yeah, that or that or Paul Rudd. So that's the oh, other one I usually. Oh get. my God! Oh geez, you must love Avengers Endgame. That was great. Oh, I'm not. I'm. I'm. Uh, of course. I mean, yeah, I, uh, I don't mind seeing my doppelganger, my, my more attractive and successful doppelganger out there. Did you, um, so I assume you saw the shape of things. Oh man. That was the, uh, remember the play they made us read year one, the shape of things. Um, oh yeah. When you, it was a new yeah, It's play. a movie. Um, it's him and it's Rachel Weiss. This goes back. They were like pups. You should check that out. You should check it out because I met you when you were a very young age, and that was a very Paul young, uh, Paul, uh, young Paul Rudd, and you'll be surprised at the resemblance, um, the shape of things. Very easy to remember because that was required reading for us in college and stuff like that. So, um, oh yeah, and I think that the only reason for that was just because they were like, ah, this is naturalistic enough that uh, I don't think even the worst of the actors can screw up. So let's just give it to them. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. Let's before we get into to any any fun stuff because this is fun too. We were talking about the stress of living in New York, particularly in this climate, right? Like your doctor's like, so do you feel stressed? <laughs> Would you say your doctor like, of course I do. <laughs> yeah, he goes, do you do you, uh, do you feel stressed? I'm like, I live in New York. I've, <laughs> what, what's what's the bellwether here? Like, where where does where do we in, where are we marking this? Like, the stress level of daily life, home life. Bar life, financial life. There's a lot of things in terms of the stress levels. Oh no! In general, yeah, I'm stressed. <laughs> you, you wake up in the morning and you you want to you, you got to make sure that you get the you get the right train at the right time and you show up at work not too early, definitely not too late, mm -hmm. and then you stay. It, 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 the whole thing, just the level of stress. Now with COVID, uh, now the only now, I think it's not as much stress as it as it is just. Um, uh, being traumatized by your kitchen table because it's this, the same place you keep going back to over and over and over again. 
honestly, a train ride in New York can make you angry enough absent COVID. <laughs> you oh, know yeah. just trying to get on the train this you know somebody you know somebody up on you it's like yo do, are you, you want to buy me a drink <laughs> can, can at least buy me a drink first right let's get acquainted before we start before we just jump straight into this what are you doing so <laughs> oh there's no floor play when you get on yeah. the when you get on the four five six train mm -hmm. there's just straight going right into it there's no there's no uh there's no, there's no fun part. You're just thrust right into the crowd. So listen, I go to New York every year because um, the, the AVP goes there and I'm a coach. And sometimes me and Kelly like to go during autumn, you know, like the, the leaves fall. It's a pretty nice, you know, jacket and jacket and jeans weather, just good air. Sweater. Um, what does, and it. I never asked this to any, I had a few guests that still live in New York. My friend, Catherine Parent, she, you know, she's into infectious diseases and, and helps approve vaccinations for the FDA and medications and oh, shit so like she's, that. She's probably been busy lately. Yeah. What, but what does a train, what does a train ride look like that right now? Oh, I actually just, I just got off. I was, uh, I took the train into Midtown, uh, Midtown Manhattan. Uh, weird, man. Just really weird. Uh, I took the train at, I want to say like 630, uh -huh. mostly empty, um, a few more crazies than normal. And uh, all in all, just like really s spread out, not a lot of people. It was, uh, it was very odd. It was an odd experience, not something that I've been used to. Even on like, even on like a slow day, like if you took the train on a Monday at, at one o'clock in the afternoon, it would have been busier than me taking it tonight. Yeah, particularly in the summertime too. You know, summertime, oh, yeah. the kids are out of school. Um, people are, are in New York for the summer. Um, yeah, so I've always, because of COVID, I just wondered, was wondering how the, the train uh, subway system was handling the so social distance thing. I, I never, never even thought about it until like now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not hard to be socially distant at this point on the subway because there's just not really anyone on the train to, um, to be close to. I, I mean, you could... You can find a seat. I mean, there's, you've got, I mean, there was maybe at most 15, 20 people on my both times going back and forth on my car. So much, much smaller. Yeah. Wow. Also, before we got on the podcast, we were talking about stress too. Like when you have shortness of breath and your heart's racing like a drum because you're afraid of this whole COVID thing, it makes you think you have COVID. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think there's, a, there's, you know, it. It's one of those things where you think you just sort of like, oh, I don't know, do I have it? Do I not have it? And then, and then I think when I mean, from uh, friends of mine that have actually had it, and uh, even my wife, who I'm pretty sure had it, but at the time uh, testing wasn't wildly available, so she wasn't able to confirm it. But uh, the people who've had it, it's it'll either be a very weird experience for your body, or just. Um, just if you feel like apparently you're run over by a truck so uh, essentially it's 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 waking up hungover from brunch the day before it's it's uh it's the same feeling i feel like yeah well it's definitely ruined my alcohol buzz i have like a drink and then i feel a little buzzed and my heart's racing a little bit and i'm like is that the booze or is that covid man i'm fucking stressed dude and i um, lost my wife completely lost her uh total sense of taste and smell for about nine days like to the point where if she uh if she had an onion and just bit into it no no sense no she definitely of that had case it. that onion she uh, definitely had it <laughs> yeah yeah it was impossible to get a test though at the time it was back in 
uh, end of March. So mm-hmm. at that, she actually went into the doctor's office and explained her symptoms. And the doctor essentially yelled at her going, unless you're like deathly ill, you should not be here. She's like, but I think I have the COVID. And they're like, we think you should leave. That, so, I never heard something so smart and so stupid at the same time. I mean, the the, yeah. the lack of preparation as far as like getting people testing tested and just having some kind of applicable test kit was was um, I blame the government of the United States of America for their dereliction of duty on this one, my man. Listen, yeah. I, I don't think you should have to be on your deathbed to get tested because by that by that time, what the hell can they do to treat it anyway? They, they need well, in order for them to treat it. it it's it's it, you have a better chance of surviving it if they're treating the symptoms early. To let it run its well, I love how people were saying, like, what's the point of testing? I'm like, I don't know what that's. How is that a statement? Um, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, if, you, if you're because, they, you know, the incubation on this thing, it, it's it's still being in. Um, I mean, the one thing I think that's been consistent about COVID outside of some of the symptoms is that it does have a longer incubation period than most other uh, diseases that have been introduced to uh, humans, so, uh, or other strains of the flu virus. So, I mean, yeah, if you were able to get tested when you think you had it, that's like a full five days of not being asymptomatic and going around and spreading it to more people who then have another six days of incubating and then so on and so forth. I mean, it's just a numbers thing. So yeah, like for people who go, oh, we didn't need the testing back in the day. It's like, yeah, well, you know. You kind of did. We did. <laughs> kind of did. I mean, you know how many people probably walked around from, I would say even December on, because I don't think, this thing just popped up in March. Um, it obviously had been here for a while and people had had it, not just in the US, but elsewhere. Uh, if they were able to start, like anytime someone came in with a flu symptom, like boom, COVID test, yep, you've got COVID. Isolate, get out of here, don't touch anything. Uh, that would have saved so many lives and, and, and caused so much less havoc. I mean, the whole point was, you know, isolate it and then, uh, and then, and then uh, give people space. But that didn't happen. <laughs> We, we went no. the other route of ignoring it for long enough until it became like a problem. And then the CDC just, I mean, the, and the funny thing is like a lot of the stuff and you're in the same boat. Some of it's just like, look, I'm not fine. Let's take the blame game out of it, but let's look at facts. These are the facts. Now you're now the, the part of the argument is who do we find responsible for setbacks? I don't know. I usually look at, uh, you know, if I screw up, they look at my boss first and, and they go to me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, by the people at the top are just as like, they, they, they have final say. So they are the ones who hire the people to put the people in charge to do the job that they didn't do correctly. So you could say like, yeah, it wasn't directly so-and-so's fault, but that person hired that person and then they hired other people. And now we have an entire mass pandemic on our hands because the wrong people were in the right, were the wrong people were important, were in important positions and they didn't they didn't do well i agree well yeah. some, something i learned in the military on something that actually eventually led me to leaving the military just fulfilling my contract and leaving was i had a sergeant in charge gave me a piece of advice before he left he was going to a new base he said never um put yourself in a situation where you're responsible for something someone else is in charge of right you have you're fixed let's say i'm fixing a generator right and there's and my, the manual says i should fix it a certain way and then maybe someone comes along and is like no you have to do it this way and then when it doesn't work 
And they're like, why is the generator not working? That same guy who told you to do it that way is the same guy saying, well, he's a mechanic, not me. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? I, you know, I, I outrank him, <laughs> you, you know? So we, we, we made sure we, we schooled ourselves on the difference between tactical command um, that, super, that might supersedes one rank and you know what what uh kind of order is considered a lawful order under the military code of con uh, conduct or whatever so and it, it certainly transfers to what you're talking about right like if if the man in charge is telling telling experts to sit on it and they're yeah. doing what they told do, do i mean who does it who, who i mean they all fall on that sword but 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 the buck stops it's it, it's always one person it's always one person yeah. or, or like a two or three person brain trust. And even in a two or three brain trust person brain trust, it's it's one. All right. Which one? It's one of those three. They're the smartest people in the room. No, 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 no. Which one of those three is always always comes down to one. And yeah, fuck it. It's the orange man. Whatever. Who cares? You know, I mean, yeah. who, who cares what your political affiliation is? Who cares um, how you choose to believe something because you may or may not like the person you're, you're no, and like, you know and I'm, I'm keep looking at this and i'm like the only argument that people have in terms of mm. defending him in terms uh, for what he he did mm -hmm. was oh I, I stopped china coming in which you, you didn't you just stop people who are chinese na nationals from flying in that doesn't stop people from flying back and forth right. so it was a it was a half-assed effort and then the europe thing i had friends that were actually wheels up heading to dublin Mm -hmm. and, and they, while they're in Dublin people have like you know the in-flight televisions with the news and everyone starts chatting they're like um, can we get home like are we getting are we banned from coming back now I had a friend of mine that was had a transfer in Norway canceled his flight I think he was heading I think he was maybe heading to somewhere else in Europe but wherever his transfer was he got off didn't make the transfer and then the line to just try to reschedule his flight to turn back. And I'm like, how insane how is that? How did that help anybody? And also yeah. Europe didn't know. So it just, it's like in, in episodes, in, in situations like this, and I think that's one of the issues is that people always talk about, you know, a global community and they associate it with globalism. It's like, yeah, you know, you can have issues with like the globe being connected almost too much, but when it comes to something that doesn't give a crap whether you're from indonesia mexico united states or brazil uh you, you, there's got to be a, a unified effort to, to make sure that it's not it's not going to make people sick because no matter what it will find a way to come to your back door and we, we learned that the hard way and we still are i mean the economy is not great we're uh, hoping that things turn around but i don't know man i've got a mortgage to pay so hope is not awesome no hope's a four-letter I, word not even my yeah. favorite one <laughs> i hope i keep my job i yeah. hope i can continue paying my mortgage and i mm. hope things remain normal but that that's really crappy to live when you've got bills to pay like you need something of sub substance in place yeah no doubt i think um well for me as a volleyball coach I knew I'd be missing a chunk out on the chunk of work. All right. This is um, from March all the way up to this point. The recruiting showcases are not a huge money making business for me, but it is money. It is income. Um, coaching private lessons. Uh, I charge $50 an hour. You know, um, that's money. So I'm, I'm missing. The only thing I got going on right now is I'm doing private lessons with, with, with small groups, not with big groups, not with six person groups, just four, just four person groups enough to play doubles. 
and and the podcast. Now, that's the only thing going on right now. My girl's working at home. L- lucky her. Good for her, right? Ca- finance Capital Group. You know, honestly, when you looked at the way people who work in finance now, they were a year removed from all working at home anyway. You know, they're, they're having these conferences and being like, you know what, I think I just want to do this from home three days of the week. So a lot of them from the, you know, the Capital Group and BlackRock, um, a lot of those, a lot of those, those people in, in her position were considering, you know, getting more work done, not having to um, commute. You know, New York's a nasty commute, but I, let me tell you something, LA, you know, like, um, in the LA County, it, it could be brutal, man. I mean, she she left, she leaves before the rush hour, which is still crowded. Uh, well, so yeah, yeah. So you you talked about New York. I want to talk a little better about Hermosa Beach. There's never been a situation where, as far as like licking COVID and combating it, being in the best situation as far as mm-hmm. social distancing is concerned, but yet been the most irresponsible. It it um. All right, here's what happened. There's a viral video that came out, Florida, in March. Like, I don't know if they were on spring break or if they were treating it like it was spring break. But everyone saw that, and then they were like, look, look what California's doing. It wasn't even us. It was, it was Florida. And I live in the South Bay. I'm, I'm six blocks from the beach. That's, that's my office. That's my new office. So shut the beach down. Boom. Shut the strand down, like the boardwalk, you know, the strand to the beach. Shut down. All because... You have people that choose to believe, that choose to implement politics with science and mix politics with science. Yeah. All right, uh, a, a a large group of people that are that don't understand how the mask supposed to work. Well, I was ignorant to that. I was ignorant to it. I thought if I wore the mask, people it helped prevent people giving it to me. And then I learned later that really it's more about you. If if you have it, you're, it it's right. percentage wise, it pr- helps prevent you from giving it to someone else. So when I, and before when I saw, I saw someone wearing a mask, I'm like, all right, cool. He's got one. He doesn't. They're in shape as long as one person has it. And I'm like, no, well, you also, know, and, 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 and a month and in, messaging. I learned how that worked, you know? Yeah. And the messaging behind the whole mask wearing thing was so was not executed well, because initially I even remember being like, nah, you don't need to wear a mask. Mm. I mean, that's what all the people who I consider or the organizations that I consider as uh, all well more informed than I am are telling me. And then all of a sudden it was a, yeah, everyone should wear them. And I think that just stemmed from knowing we don't have enough of these masks. And if we tell everyone they need to wear a mask, yeah, we won't have them for, um, you know, the, the people who actually need them. So it was like, it's almost like we knew we were handicapped, but we lied to everybody. And mm-hmm. then once we settled down, we we're like, oh, yeah, now that we got them, wear them. Yep. Oh my God. My friend Todd said, so your girl's paying the bills. I'm like, no, I'm paying the bills. <laughs> she bought, she did buy the house though. <laughs> All right. Where, where did you live in New York? Did you buy an apartment in New York? Yeah. Uh, 87th and West End. Oh, so you bought yeah. that place. Yeah. Um, and we had another place on 91st and um, Lexington. Um, so oh. this place right now, I don't know. I mean, I want to talk too much about numbers. It's, it's between two and three mils. So we basically sold our spots, bought this. But I ain't going to lie. Let me tell you something. Well, if you're in a millionaire by the time you're 40, you make sure you married the one. Okay. <laughs> Let's do a general rule here. So, so, back, so back to what I was saying before. Me, yeah. even in my ignorance, um, 
I went under the philosophy. Max Kellerman from First Take said it. Treat it like you have it and you don't want to give it to everybody else. So mm-hmm. even though I was not ed- fully educated on the mask, I was still, I still had a common sense, like a seat of your pants wisdom thing that, that came with being safe. Now, I'm in this environment where everyone's on the beach. Everyone's in these huge fucking houses. You know, how, how you doing? Good morning. Uh, living a dream. Living a dream. I'm like, you know, you saw, say living a dream to a New Yorker. They're like... What the f- what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> living a dream. You know what? You just made it into my yeah. nightmare, asshole. Yeah, I get. Yeah, but I get it now, right? I didn't get it before. Living a dream. You know, fuck you. So, um, but you have this place where people, even if they don't wear the mask, we're so we have so much space between us. Just stay the fuck away from each other. But no. No, these people want to be on the beach playing sixes. These people want to be on, on the strand uh, riding by bi- uh, d- the bicycles built for two in rows. Okay, uh, stopping, stopping to watch the dogs smell each other's asses. And I mean, just totally breaking protocol. Restaurants, rest, uh, Sharkies, is one, uh, even now looks like a, a zombie apocalypse. You know, just a whole bunch of, you, you ever see like Walking Dead, like the herd, everyone yeah. just moving together. on the. That's what uh, the restaurants look like before Newsom was like, you know, I, you guys get the chop, you know? And I keep telling my friends, I'm like, I don't give a fuck what your political affiliation is. If you don't behave like adults, the government will treat you like children. That is not, that is a bipartisan uh, uh, reaction uh, to, to people's irresponsible, uh, lack of responsibility. So um, that's all I wanted to say about that. Like we were in a better position than New York, but New York, their recoverability and, and what you're doing now is smart. It's, the cases are going down. Yeah, they got to they got to open up indoor dining, though, soon. Like the fact that they're even talking about opening up gyms, but indoor dining is a Ah, that's where we got lucky. That's where we got lucky. We we could be outdoor 12 months, dude. I know. (laughs) I'm more looking at like because like there's so many restaurants that I I I mean, the city, I mean, it's made of like that's that's that it's supposed to be a culinary destination. And it's it is so sad just seeing all of these places vacant. And I, I don't understand these landlords because they're what what's easier evicting someone during a time when you know no one's going to rent or just eating it and then saying i don't know when start you know when things do finally open up i don't have to worry about waiting for someone to get established your yeah. place is already there just but open up but there is there shouldn't there be some kind of bill passed that um <clears throat> maybe mandates a, um a deferment on insurance because a lot of these these landlords um i don't know if they're 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 owning, but they 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 have a mortgage, and whoever's renting is help paying their mortgage. So if the if the person rent is not paying their rent, then they can't pay their mortgage, and everybody's out. So maybe maybe there's a situation you know um, that's going on like that. You know, like maybe oh yeah, there needed to be some foresight into this, but again, there was none. So um, we're just now left with people and and businesses just going out and. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen after. I mean, you're, you can't just like dig a 12 foot hole and expect to crawl your way out. Once you jump in, uh, that's what we've been doing. Yeah. And between that and just watching the news every day, that does give you chest pains. That does give you shortness of breath. And you're just like, Oh, I got COVID. You you guys have, you've got marijuana is legal, uh, where you are. So count your blessings on that one, man. Yeah, man. Just (laughs) something. Yeah. Listen, they, that's what they, and that's that's my argument. Will 
The government is telling you to stay home and smoke yeah. weed and play video games. Can't yeah. you can't you just do that? <laughs> You're good at doing yeah. nothing, right? <laughs> you got, got a friend or two that you can have come over in small doses. Like that's okay. Just uh, mm. you know, don't don't be dumb. Just yeah, because without like, that, we're stressing over bullshit. Because even outside of COVID. Uh, we're we're stressing over stuff. Remember that Chris Rock? I, I said this Chris Rock line before we got in the air. Like Chris Rock was like, I was watching a TV commercial and they said, "Do you go to bed at night and get up the next morning?" <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah, I got that. I think I got that disease. I got that." So it's like it's like one of those things where they keep saying shit. So at some point, you're gonna identify that's that's like minded where where you probably ain't got shit. But guess what? <laughs> It's like we're living in Groundhog Day, but without the Bill Murray part. So it's just terrible. Which is no fun. I mean, the whole purpose of even no indulging in Groundhog is for Bill Murray. <laughs> Sucks. Oh, my God. So, Will Farrell, let's talk about your name. <laughs> He's like, go on, Jay. <laughs> Before I want to, I want to play a video for the people watching in the audio. They'll, they'll appreciate it too. Um, how much fun is making a restaurant reservation? Uh, you know, when that was a thing, <laughs> um, it usually went one of two ways: either they didn't care, or you know, give a nod to it. Or I, I, I'll put it to this way: I've disappointed a number of hostesses when I've checked in at restaurants in my time. Uh, where I show up and I give my name and I go, oh, you're right this way. And then I've got like this nice table. I'm like, oh, you guys, you guys really thought that uh, I, I, I actually, there was a restaurant that I, I went, I used to go to all the time. It was a, a one that I, I frequented and I made a reservation and the hostess was new, but everybody else knew me. So when they saw my name as a, as a party of two on the, on the, res on the books, uh, the the new hostess was like, oh my god, guys, both hotels coming, and, and like, do we tell no, her? Everybody, <laughs> like, I think somebody was like, oh, that's like, no, 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 yeah, <laughs> I guess he's coming. And so then I showed up, and one of my friends came over and went, she was so disappointed. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm glad that I can do that to another person, just disappoint them outright without having to do any effort without any effort will farrell you can make someone go from this to this yeah my mother's been saying that for years so <laughs> well come on that's the natural effect we have on mother so they don't oh, count we got to pick another example in that regard um <laughs> i had a before i uh, do the video i had a similar situation i worked for a guy named dr isidore rosenfeld um, he's kind of like the doctor of the stars, you know, Ron Howard coming in and out, Sophia Loren, um, you, you name it, the politicians, you know, Prime Minister Budo at the time, Walter Matthau. So um, who else? I, I mean, I can go on and on, um, Nicole Kidman. But he was getting an award. You'll love this one. He's getting an award for uh, American Heart Association Physician of the Year, right? Um, he invited two people from the staff to go. I was one of them. He's, he's the guy just took a liking to me. You know, I, he hired me because I served in the military. That, that, which is old school. Oh, that, nice. that just, now people steer away from that, right? Like now he looks at my resume, wait, just ignore the rest. Good enough to serve in the army, good enough to work for me. You know, which is an old school, an old school principle. Yeah. He, he was in the Canadian army. He was a ret retired major anyway, so, so he could identify. So check it out. 
So I tell them I can't go because I find out, and I told this story before, I find out a black tie affair is a tux. And I, I, I'm broke as fuck. I, I'm, I'm living check to check. I'm a file clerk at this job. I'm, 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 I'm at the beginning stages before I, I move up, you know, move up the chain of command, mid-level administration, start making a pile of money. But I'm a file clerk. Can't even afford $400 a, a month in a basement apartment. So, so I finally fessed up. Because the way ha the way it happened, um, Helen, the other girl's like, you know, it's a black tie affair. I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm good. I'm good. I'm black and I got a tie. <laughs> you know, so and she's like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, what? She's like, black tie means a tux. And I'm like, but I could wear a black tie. And she's like, can you just look it up or something? So I ended up two days ahead or a day ahead. I ended up fessing up to Helen. I don't have a tux. And she's like, I, cause she's, she's, she's like, I can't believe you're not going. This person's going, that person's going. It's going to be all these celebrities and I'm going to be surrounded, you know, by just myself or whatever. And maybe one other person I don't like. So she ended up telling Dr. Rosenfeld, right? So what does he do? This motherfucker puts me in his car. His driver drives me to Bergdorf Goodman. Um, to pick out a tux. Now, the people at Bergdorf Goodman thinks it's him, right? So they got a whole bunch of suits his size. We're the same size, same height, same same weight at the time. Um, got two models, like two male models actually wearing suits and shit like that, you know, kind of had the lighting and everything, like this whole display for him to pick out some suits. And they were like, um, hey, um, where's Dr. Rosenfeld? And I'm like, at He's not coming. They're like, he's here for a suit. And I'm like, no, it's for me. And they're just like, all right, people, it's not him. And then the models are just like, they all walk away. This person turns off the lights. They just fucking close up shop. And they're like, um, we have a suit here. Do you want to try it on? And I, I was just so embarrassed. I, I said, no, <laughs> I just took the suit. I didn't want to try it on. And um, uh, lucky for me, it fit. You know, I was at the time I was actually a bigger than Rosenfeld. I was, I, I was a heavy guy. I don't know if you knew that about me, but no, I've only known uh, you as the uh, as the total in shape. Um, yeah. Oh my uh, god, maniac that you are. Yeah, two things happened, man. Um, I got I was married and divorced, and the the only the best way I could deal with stress was work out. You know, and I knew I was a volleyball player. And as after a while, I was 265. My knees started hurting. My back started hurting. I had this aggravated Achilles. All of the stuff that comes with the impact of landing at that weight. And I was 30 at that time. And, and the only reason why I even survived that long is I was an elite athlete. You know, I'm this mm -hmm. long, long, skinny arm, barrel body kid. And then I lost 60 pounds. I started eating five times a day. Boom, 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 boom. Um, got as low as 186, but net weight, I landed at about 203, 205, which is a great volleyball playing weight for me. But but that was a cool story I wanted to share with you because uh, I can identify. I can't be in your shoes. That's Will Ferrell. It's every fucking way you go. But for me, it kind of, when I when you told me some of the stories, it reminded me of the, that that time where they thought I was someone else and they were just like, all right, let's go home, boys. For the people watching at home, I want to show you a clip. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Will Farrell. Um, do any of these ring a bell? Um, Semper fucked, right? Iraq Bob. That's me. Navy wife. That's me too. Help me! Please, I pooped my pants! This is why you need to buy these diapers! 
I'm just a baby. This name has, it's caused constant mm. flux, uh, disagreements, and sometimes happy endings, <laughs> figuratively yeah. and literally. You're the only one that gets me. Well? Uh, uh, coming. It's just another role. Pains me even to mention his movies, but I need to create my own self. I need to create my own my own path. Everywhere I go, I just get asked to streak or or yell Santa. One time, I ordered the steak tartare, and what they gave me was spaghetti with maple syrup. What the fuck is that? Oh, this is my favorite shit right here. That was awesome because the last part that I, I've never seen that before. I just I actually just found that today, you know, with, with the video. Oh, oh yeah, man, yeah, that's so, my uh, that's my reel. That's that's awesome. Right. Were you in the middle of doing a documentary cancer. called uh, "Being Will Ferrell"? To be with him at the time, we um we did that as uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Chris Lang, and he uh, we were supposed to shoot something. I, I think there was just a misunderstanding or the guy he was supposed to shoot something with ended up backing out. And so he had all the equipment and the crew and was like, okay, let's do something with, with this. And I've got a really great concept idea of like you playing a caricature of yourself as someone who hates being Will Ferrell, who's an actor. Um, but the only reason that he has to keep his name is because he's married to a woman who only married him because his name is Will Ferrell. Uh, <laughs> So then that's, that's what the five, I think it's, it's like six or seven episodes shorts that we did. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's my, that's my actual life uh, in that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I met her. That's so, how long have you guys been together? Uh, it's like a decade, for, right? We've been married for, oh no, six, 2014. It's not that I don't know the years. I don't know math. Uh, 2014 <laughs> to 2020 is uh, six years, six years. That's amazing, yeah. dude. Yeah, six years. So we've been married for six, but we've been together for, I think, Pretty much well. post-college, right? Yeah, yeah. As soon as I, um, I met her, and literally the last month of senior year, um, she was a sophomore, I was a senior, and um, we just dated ever since, and and we did the whole marriage thing. Yeah. Still, still doing the marriage thing. I, I shouldn't mention that in past tense. There's something really. She can hear me, by the way, right now, and she's not saying awesome. anything. So. Well, it's on Facebook Live too, so she she, she wants you to go, she's, she's she, she can go in and type some comments. <laughs> how often I've been screwing screwing this up? That's um, all right. There's no there's no screwing it up. Just accept the fact that you're already dead and you don't have to worry about staying alive. Okay. Oh oh yeah. No, I, mean, <laughs> I I just frankly I don't have to if I just don't feed myself I'm most likely going to to wither away. Um, she's just aware of that I'm wholly incapable of taking care of myself outside of um, very, very basic functions.
it probably explains why you still look young as well. I think sometimes, uh, for everybody listening, this is important. Okay, I have volleyball players. I have theater people that follow this. I, you know, we pretty we we trend pretty well on Facebook. I'm gonna give you a piece of advice, breaking character. If you are lucky enough to have a girlfriend or a wife that lets you do whatever the fuck you want and only asks you to do one or two things, do the one or two things. Just fucking do the one or two things, dude. Happy wife. And while you're at it, find find a third, fourth, fifth. Just it's as a contingency. A no, 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 no. Just take care of one or two things and accept the fact you're dead. Uh, accept the yeah. fact that those that, that that's that's not going to be enough. All right. But you already in, you're still already in a, in a position where you're where you're miles ahead of any other dummy that's lucky enough to have a girl like that. As, as opposed oh, yeah. to someone who's calling them, following them, calling, calling their phone and hanging up, uh, trying to trying to track their cell phone. I mean, we, there are some crazy women out there. If you're lucky enough to have a sane woman who's smart and who's pretty and for some stupid reason is head over heels for you, <laughs> you fucking do those one or two things. Rub my shoulders. OK, ice cream. I'm driving to Santa Monica. Taste of delight. There's only one in the whole state of California. New York based ice cream. You want you want a, a piece of New York, baby? The cops can't stop me from bringing that ice cream back. Are you kidding? No. Happy wife. Happy life. <sighs> yeah, and I'm back. it's uh, <laughs> it's been great. I mean, we've been we've been together for, for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we've I mean, in the last just even six with marriage, you know, everyone always says, you know, everything changes when you get married. I'm like, if it's if it's a good relationship prior, I mean, should that much be changing? I mean, you guys just like for me, for us, at least it just was a really it was just a way of us saying, yeah, this is this is this is it. Like, I, I love you. You love me. And, and we're just using, you know, we're, we're happy to take this as mm-hmm. a way to continue to grow and build our relationship even further as a showing the ultimate commitment. Yeah. Um, and yeah, nothing. I mean, the only thing that changed was external factors like job stuff and uh, other stresses that come that would happen to if you were in the relationship anyway. I mean, for right. Me, even if you weren't right. At, yeah. I mean, for me, I'm looking at like a relationship uh, and getting married and being together, and like, you know, it's not that things change when you get married. Things change when you have a, when you have a kid. That's that's when the saying of like, yeah, things everything's going to change when you have a kid. It's like, yeah, no shit. Um, I've done actually I a pretty. I've done actually a pretty good job with that. Yeah, yeah, I've had friends tell me like, the crazy thing about you and Kelly is you're still Jason and Kelly. You just have a kid. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what exactly. The biggest, I just mean in terms of like no. your relationship priorities, like things things are going to shift, things have to because of you're, course. you know that that little changes. But you know the core of you, that's the part that should know the core of your relationship, all that that part. But that dude, part but but, but kids, dude, I warned all of my fucking friends. I, I I sent them a warning over the weekend on Instagram, Facebook, and every and Twitter, every social network. I said, look, there's three things you should never fucking do. Just because I make it look easy, all right? One, do not sing, okay, or dance. Two, do not have a child. Have you seen the videos? You've seen the pictures? It looks like I'm having, it's this, this joy 100% of the time. Okay, I'll make it look easy. You know, cause, and the third thing is don't start a podcast, all right? And it's, just, it's, just not, it's not what you think. But, but getting back to number two, 
I make it look easy. And my friends that know me for a long time know my level of responsibility or lack thereof. And you know what they tell themselves, Well, They tell themselves, Jason had a kid. How fucking hard could it be? I know I have friends out there that are thinking that. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. So let's get to Marymount Manhattan College. Oh, man. We, um... You were part of a very, very special graduating class. I was the year before you. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure my, my sound's still okay, right? It sounds. Yeah, is mine is mine still good? Yeah, just I'm just, uh, for some reason mine's coming off echoey, and I'm hoping it pops back. Um, no, no, it's been sounding good the whole time. All right, good. So you were. I was the year before you, and we had a pretty good class too. We had pretty pretty capable actors that we thought were going to do things, but your year, with you. Um, James the uh, third, that's what he's called now, James Smith. He's he's doing. He went from pop tarts, pop tarts comedy to the, his Netflix thing. Eugene Jones, you know, doing Mother Courage and her children. Vladimir and every freaking TV show and commercial you can think of. Vladimir Vasai, Ishmael Wilson, the 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 engineer, uh, the guy that, that that brought my year and your year together with very capable yeah. people like Matt Dumont, myself, Chris Bash, um, Rachel fucking Perez um, <laughs> um, and I have a question but I wanted to make one comment the thing I liked about you is somewhere from your freshman year until you graduated you stopped trying to be good and you just allowed yourself to be good and maybe maybe that was maybe did you have Richard Niles yeah did yeah, you have him year Richard. three or year two three I have Richard year two yeah i had him year two yeah and he's very very good at that i i I struggled me guys like chaney mcginnis we struggled with that a little bit but at the end you know for me it might have been later down the road because if you're older it takes longer to strip down and build up as opposed to being younger and build up but you were in your freshman year you were almost a schizoid personality (laughs) just trying to make sure that you're on point you know i I tell my friends a fun story i go to a, a, a party and a uh, Spanish Harlem, and I'm with my friend Alethea, right? Wait, this is recorded. So where is where is this going? <laughs> oh, you're gonna have to see. <laughs> you're just gonna have to hang up on me. <laughs> End oh, the man. meeting. So, and your your wife listening, she's gonna love this one. We're in Harlem, and there's this white guy, and he's he runs across the street, and then he gets across the street and he stops and he runs back across the other end. Right. And I'm, I'm and and in Spanish Harlem, this white guy sticks out. Right. So he goes halfway across the street, stops and then walks back and stops and scratches his head. And we get closer. And I'm like, that's fucking Will. I'm like, Will, what are you doing? What are you what the fuck are you doing in Spanish Harlem running around like a crazy dude? He's like, dude, I'm looking at, I'm looking to get vodka from I'm looking for a chicken place to buy vodka. And me and Alita go. Ooh. A chicken place to buy vodka. He's like, you know what? Forget it. Forget it. I got to go. Bye. Boom. Gone. And we're just like, we have to fucking find this dude. So we go to the party. So we go to the party. And who shows up uh, five or six minutes after us? You. With chicken and two bottles of fucking vodka. And I'm like, this dude is not from New York. He's going to get it. He's going to get fucking hurt going to a chicken place looking for vodka and i it's so weird it's an example of how your determination um made a native new yorker learn something about shit that they never knew i'm born and raised here brooklyn you know at that time yeah. I, I was living in west harlem i was on 140 148 st nicholas so plenty of chicken places 
But who comes out? This guy, this guy we thought was a little bit nuts running across the street and back with a bunch of chicken and two big ass bottles of vodka. And we were just like, <laughs> I was on a special combination of something that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I had wanna, a real determination there. I want to go somewhere, I guess, in between your sophomore and junior year. Uh, as far as theater production workshops are concerned, what was one of your favorite ones that you got a chance to work on in terms of just the camaraderie, working with people, a, a very capable director, you know, most likely faculty, maybe maybe David Moe, maybe Kevin Connor, um, maybe Liz Swain. Um, what was one of your favorite theater production workshops? Um, if there's a directing project that supersedes that, then then you can nix that question and reshape it into your own. Flow is yours. Yeah, I, I I was cast in two, if I'm remembering this, um, yeah, if I'm remembering this correctly, I was cast in both of the main stages. My, it was my senior year. In junior year, I think I was only in one one show, and it was, uh, I don't even remember the name of it, uh, Liz Swain directed. Was it Arcadia? No. No, Arcadia was my, that no, was, that, that was your freshman Arcadia year. was my freshman year. I know that yeah. for a fact. Uh, the only way I know that is because my buddy Carmine was in it. And it was Benedetto. Year and I'm like, I don't know anybody, but I know Carmine. D. Benedetto, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. So Liz Swain, junior year. It was Liz Swain's class. Yeah. That one, I don't, I, I, I didn't have a very large role. Um, I, I think I was with, it was like part of the, uh, I guess it would be considered like the clowns of the play. Cause it was a, it was a period piece. Um, and yeah, like I just remember it was me, uh, James Smith, and Rob Rob Joya. Oh my God, yeah. Uh, and it was the three of us. We had fun, but honestly, I mean, it was just uh, it was. I mean, I think it was just a difficult play to pull off. Um, I mean, it was good, but uh, I mean, there was. I mean, you know, the material itself. In fact, I can't remember the play. I remember there was like, I think it was good. I can't remember honestly. I can't remember that far back. I just remember. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> no, no doubt. Uh, but then I did, um, then I did Grapes of Wrath, and I played uh, the dad in that, and I, I struggled a lot. And I think that's where I just that yeah, was my, my my senior year. And I was like, man, I don't I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Um, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I know how to do this this, this acting thing. And then I did uh, for the last. Then I did my senior year. There was another play that came out. Um, maybe I'm, I'm probably missing up all these timelines. No, you know what it was? I think it was, um, it was Grapes of Wrath first. That was the end of my junior year. Yes. End of my junior year, Grapes of Wrath. And I felt very confused. I didn't know if I knew, even knew how to act. It was just, cause I, I just didn't really feel like I, I had nailed the material and the character in my head. You know, you're a junior, you're acting major. You, you think you should know everything, but in reality, not knowing everything is actually the most important thing. You know yeah um so then i did bada for a summer um like a summer session with the british academy of dramatic arts that was probably one of the most life-changing things i did because it it made me understand shakespeare it brought me uh it just made me understand acting in a whole in a much more focused way and then i was in um the last show i was in was um a month in the country. Yeah, that's it. And oh my God, that was uh, that, that, was that one had Tyler Neal. 
in it, Seth James, and uh, and and actually uh, Melissa Benoist was in that was in that final production as well. Uh, she was a freshman that year, um, and that was like the, the the role was was really I, I I loved it. It was a guy. It was a, just you know the main character um, who who was being torn apart because of a, of a love triangle that he part of. I'm, I'm, at that time, I would think I was going through some relationship uh, crap, and I and I remember there was like a distinct moment where like. Uh, one of the characters was who was younger, who was part of the love triangle goes, do you think I'll, you know, something very, a naive question. And then out of nowhere, I, I think just instinctively, I just started to laugh and then everyone else started to laugh in the audience. And then I realized, Oh, that's it. Like just like not thinking and just reacting. Oh, that's what, that's what they've been trying to get me to do for four years. Okay. Now I get it. Cool. Mm -hmm. That's fun. Uh, and I actually it was funny because I think David Mould after came up to me and go and he just looked at me and went, "Yeah, that was it." I'm like, "Thanks." Mm. Very pro very professional um, individual, David Mould. <laughs> very, very, you know, an acute sense of humor. But as far as like doing his job and being and being on point, David Mould was. I mean, everybody should take year one for that guy. Like anyone, oh, yeah, yeah. anyone remember, that's trying like, to understand what like, acting is, just take year one and you you just forget the next three years. You're, 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 you're set. Sorry. Go yeah. Ahead. I've actually, I've been mm -hmm. recently taking, um, classes with at HB studios with, uh, mm -hmm. Mercedes rule. I don't know if you, yeah. um, mm -hmm. yeah. So, and she, I mean, if you're an actor in the city looking to take a really good class, she's fantastic. Uh, it's a scene study class and, uh, the way that she just communicates, uh, the material you uh, there's very few people in the world that you can have teaching you that just connect with whoever it is on stage yeah uh, and just be able to explain you know what you need explained to you in order to get you to that point as an actor and she's brilliant at that so I took her class a few times and each time I'd taken it it's just built on and built on them I feel like I'm a much much better actor for it um it was actually funny that you mentioned something about you know being an adult being an actor i i ended up trying to audition for grad school a couple times and i was using richard niles as um as, for coaching and uh at the end of our sessions i was like i mean i'm i'm better than i was in college right he was like ah baby of course you are you lived i'm like thanks <laughs> yeah, that's richard you survived <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I, I, you know, and I, I, every time I get material now and I, I approach anything that I get, um, either seen study auditions or whatnot. Um, I feel, I feel I'm like, well, if only this, this will was as grounded back in the day, going into yeah. acting one or two, but you know, you're not, you're not supposed to be cause you just do. There are some people that I, that, you know, really are innately there at such an early age. And you know, those people cause they're quite successful. No doubt. Um, and I mean, not everybody that is successful needs to be that, but even if they're not successful, you just know the people that are like that from the get go. And they're, they're really great people to work with, whether they're uh, famous or not, or they just never even pursue acting after that. You just, there's some people that just get it naturally. Um, and, uh, you know, everyone works in their own way. And that's, no that's the, that's the best thing about just acting. You can always come back to it too. Yeah. For, for everybody listening at home, um, 
Marymount's like, why the hell are these guys even talking about college and this and that? This isn't just a college. This is this this at the time was Marymount Manhattan. It was um top three uh program nationally in theater performance. Um it was listed as the one of the seven fastest ways to the Tony Awards. <laughs> Marymount was listed yeah. number two as one of the seven fastest ways to the Tony. So, so I, I've never been part of a, a program where, like, at the end, I'm like so over it, and then looking back retrospectively, like the ups and downs. Because I, I, I had, you know, my low was my sophomore year because that's that's you know that's jury's time, and that's when. Um, the professors start shaping these personalities and then people start forming into these groups and these cliques and all that stuff, which at the time as a, re a returning adult student, that was not something I really wanted to be a part of. I just wanted, I'm, I'm working full time. I'm, I'm literally running back and forth in hospital scrubs to class. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? I'm, <laughs> I'm not figuratively, I'm literally running back and forth because that's my Yeah, people job. used to see you walking around like, who's the, who's the doctor? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Is everybody okay? We have a lot of like uh, teaching the youth have, how to take people's temperature. <laughs> we we have a lot of continuing uh, education people here. Uh, did someone need doctor assistance? My man, but um, the one play that I remember you the most wasn't even a TPW. It was a directing project. Um, Ishmael directed it, and it was you, Rob Joya, and um, God, this third person. It was a prisoner. Uh, a guard, a prison guard, and a shrink. And I wish I could remember the name. It I, was I think amazing. And Ishmael, and Ishmael directed it. Hmm? I think you're actually confusing me with... Uh, Who was it? Tell me. Seth James. Seth James. It was Seth James, um, Rob Joya. Did you see that? Wasn't that amazing? That was really good. I, I mean, listen, one. it's a long time ago, but that was... That guy was he, guy was talented. I mean, he still is. I just it's, that that was awesome. Is that you got to see, um, just the, the the level of talent and also, um, you know, how people from all different backgrounds were coming together and just coming up with some really good work. When you know, if the if if the the heads of the department didn't select you to be in a play, then people found their own ways to make it, and the school was still pretty supportive of that, and they had ways to you know, have an, have a, have an avenue for anybody who wanted to, um, you know, put in the work and, and do it uh, for the most part. I mean, I, I'm, I'm maybe I'm speaking out of, out of turn, but I mean, from the people that I know that, you know, weren't in the main stages or weren't in the directing projects, they still, I still remember stuff being put up that I'm like, I wasn't on the docket. And they're like, yeah, because we just decided that there's a space and we've got people and we want to do it. So we're going to, we're going to do it. Yeah. Well, Matt Dumont said that, um, fucking a, <clears throat> Oh the, yeah, the that, Susan Lowry Parks play to, yeah. um, was one of the. He says it was hands down the best thing that he's ever been involved in, as far as yeah. the, TPW directing projects, um, like the whole nine. The, the, as far as a collective body of work, just um, Ishmael being this child genius, him having this vision, um, him, him finding a way to do an ensemble cast because it seemed like everyone that wasn't in the TPW was in that, right? Yeah. I mean, why the hell isn't Rachel Perez in a play? Why the hell wasn't, you know, this is Rachel Perez. This is James Smith III. This is Eugene Jones. This is Vladimir. Um, me, um, who's been, I'm not even going to talk about me. I'm, uh, I've been blacklisted. I'm, I'm a whole nother, I'm a whole nother half hour. So I'm not going to even talk about me in that school. But um, all hey, of the got, names I mentioned, no, but all of the one. names I mentioned to you right now are, are, are all sharp. Um, Adam Toback, um, uh, Pam Price. 
just yeah. this. By the way, all of them year year. That's why I'm I'm rolling off names. Every single one of them except for me and Matt were year year. We're year three. Yeah. How about how's that? I thought Matt Dumont was 2000. No, he's me. Really? He's me. We had David Mull together. That was the only reason I knew. Oh, okay. We had David Mull together and we had voice and speech together um, under Tom. Um, Marion. Tom Marion. Yeah. Matt couldn't stand. Yeah. So so the reason why I brought it up is because there there's certain projects in college that kind of make you understand why you're there. Um, not just, in, not just, it could be an up or it could be a down. Some people learn from doing shit wrong. Some people learn in their journey, they're doing stuff right. And, and then understand the why and that, that, whatever the Chekhovian approach, if you will, like Michael, Michael Chekhov, you take the journey and then you mm-hmm. appreciate it, as opposed to like Meisner, where you need a reason to get up and move across the room, you know? So, so yeah, fucking a was my, my, my most favorite because that's when I actually started making real friends. Um, everyone was friendly. But real friends um, came from that play. You know, Rachel Perez, that, um, I don't know if you remember the last production. I had Matt on the podcast, Matt Dumont on the podcast a few yeah. months ago. And we were talking about Rachel Perez had to do a scene on broken glass. I, do, I remember seeing that. And I, I think you were there. Oh, it was I, the last day. Yeah. And everyone was there. Susan Laurie Parks was there uh, for that one. Susan Watson Turner, who di- directed the first production of The Wiz, she was there. So that was uh, you. Uh, the whole bunch of people doing in the Boom Boom Room. They, they just got out of the play. It was the afternoon. They're standing room behind. They're all lined up against the wall. It was packed. So what happened was Eugene Jones, um, there was a scene where he was breaking into a house looking for money. So there was a bottle of Jack Daniels whiskey. So what happens is he throws it and when you throw it, the bottle doesn't break because it's, it's pretty sturdy. But just like yeah. a Kevlar vest, if you fire a bullet at a Kevlar vest, it takes the first bullet and then the second one just shatters. So he moved the bottle off the table and we heard, and everyone in the back was like, like something just broke. We didn't have time to clean up the glass. So she's at a picnic with someone she thinks is her son. Instead, it was like this uh, criminal and rapist and ended up having to do a rape scene and like threw her on her back on top of the glass. And the entire scene finished on this rape scene where she's staying in character and like back and forth, just shards and shards of glass. During um, intermission, uh, Pam Price and Alicia uh, uh, Becker uh Alicia, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're removing pieces of glass from her fucking back this woman is a stud man this woman is a stud and matt matt doesn't remember any of this <laughs> oh I, I remember i remember seeing that i remember seeing that show. Yeah. um yeah but, everybody in the audience we were like is this part of the scene okay yeah <laughs> it was glowing i mean glass was you could see the glass reflections from from the overhead lights it's like it's like a scene out of die hard no but i guess the bottom line what i was trying to say was we made our own theater production workshop and everybody wanted in like people who are specialized in lighting hey i I could get you lights tell me what you need this person who's good you know for uh clothes or like costumes you know i'm very good in costumes i want to be i heard ishmael's doing something tell and i want to be a part of it tell me what you need uh we took that theater performance space Mm -hmm. um if you remember it it used to be a swimming pool before you got there and then it went from a swimming pool to just this open space where you know dancers could rehearse their moves, we could do scenes, monologues. So we used a space that wasn't controlled by the theater department, and I, and I thought it was, 
it was great but the re and the final reason i'm bringing it up everybody was casting that was your class yeah i'm still i'm still pretty close with a lot of the people from uh that that class uh actually a lot of them not even a lot of them not theater uh that the hearse dorm uh the one on 92nd the one that was outside yeah. of 55th yep it, I, it was like i don't know just that collective group of people that all got thrown together and then we just never stopped hanging out and it's oh god how many years later and we're still special uh, i mean i just went to hawaii for one of uh one of their weddings um matt, so, and it, was, it, it was all the same crew who was it, was it? it wasn't matt matt loves hawaii by the way he goes all the time but who was it uh do you remember his name was uh jason buffer he wasn't an acting major no i remember jason yeah so it was jason buffer's wedding he got married in hawaii um yeah it was a fun time and then uh and then yeah and so the the bfa actors uh tony uh tony uh, seth james steve yates bashanelli uh, bash actually i haven't seen bashanelli in a long time but he's a motivational enough, speaker dude uh he's everything i mean i see his stuff online all the time and i'm like damn you're actually contributing you're doing wait wait a second you're doing real shit <laughs> yeah like i look at bashanelli i'm like i did not see that one coming but i'm like i can't think but it makes sense like it also just completely makes sense um he i was on an airplane and i was going through like the sky magazine and it was like and there he was and I looked over at my wife. I'm like, "Holy crap! That's that's Bastianelli." She's like, "I have no idea who this person is." I was like, "Oh, well, let me explain." <laughs> yeah, but all you guys are doing great. Like, I was watching Homeland, and you you were in it. Oh, that's, yeah. that's me, still me. And I'm like, "That's my man, Will Ferrell." <laughs> you know, but I'm I watching an episode I... of The Good Wife, and I'm like, "That's Vlad." You know? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. He's he's. I mean, he's. I'm so happy to just. I mean, that's one of the outside of Facebook being what it is, and just accessible uh i do enjoy seeing a lot of the people that i went to college with posting about like uh, just the really successful careers and work that they're having and uh you know it's it's great to just know like yeah people are still out there they're they're killing it they're 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 crushing the game so will um let's turn the back turn the clock back before college and i'm gonna ask this question i asked this question in volleyball form but i'm gonna put it in theater form was there a particular production, um, albeit in high school or college, that you left telling yourself, I think I could do this shit for real? Was there a defining moment or um, one particular play or production that you were a part of that made you think to yourself, like, wait, this is, is this the real life or is this just fantasy? Uh yeah, I, you know, I think it was that last show I did my senior year, which, you know, I'm always late to the party as it is, so I did wait to the last minute to have that revelation, but um, it was finally, you know, connecting, uh, having that that moment of um, just basically having that moment and realizing, like, yeah, this is this is it. It's 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 not all the stuff I learned in the books, in the trainings. Um, I didn't have to think about it. I just did it. And, uh, and I'm, I'm reacting and I'm, I'm listening and I'm engaged. And, I, and at the end of the show, you're like, I don't, I don't know what happened. And that's, that's an amazing feeling. 
Uh, it's only happened to me, you know, it, it happened to me in a, in a, in a scene recently, that same thing. And, uh, it was a five minute scene. And again, the, my teacher gave me like one word cause I, I just, I was like, ah, you know, I'm coming in. I'm, it was uh, Kenneth Lonergan's lobby, lobby hero. It was a scene where, um, the cop character, um, confronts the, 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 uh, the lobby, uh, the, the, the guy, the guy in the lobby, I'm forgetting the names right now off the hand, off my hand, off, off the bat. But, um, yeah, it was just given like one word. She just goes hurricane. I was like, okay. And it just, I was just doing it. And I, I realized, and then I, I finished the scene. I was like, wow, but that's it. She goes, yeah, that's it. Now do that for two and a half hours, six days a week, for however long that run is, and you've got it. I was like, Jesus, this is exhausting. Um, and it was such a great feeling just knowing like, you know, you, you, you're, you're an athlete. You work out all the time. And that high that you get just from hitting that stride, hitting that moment, um, hitting that, like, that, that, that perfect rep, it's the same thing. You just you feel so good that you forget about all the stuff, the pain and the sweat that went into getting yourself to that point because you, you, you did it. But you know that, you know, when you're going to make it um, a career and a, or if you, you know, you're making it your career and your job or that is what the job asks for. You've got to, it's the same thing as working out. You've got to be, you've, you've got to be strong. You've got to do it. I remember I, I was taking an acting, I hadn't acted in a while. I took, not, it was a, it was a, um, non-voluntary, uh, a, 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 uh, it was not a voluntary, uh, break. It just happened. But I started to get back in the game. I was taking another class with an acting teacher and, uh, she was like, yeah, you know, it was, it was one that was familiar with my work. And I was like, ah, just you know, not, not hitting it. She goes, look, it's the same as going to the gym. You can't go from benching 500, take a break, come back, expect to pick up those same weights. You're going to, you're not going to do it. It's just not, it's going to be very hard. You've got to get back into training that muscle. I'm like, yeah, that's actually a really good way of thinking about it. So rather than like beating myself up, the only good way you get to doing it is by same as working out, doing reps, reading plays, taking more classes, taking more scenes, and then building yourself back up. So yeah, um, I think back to that further point, just that was the moment where I realized, oh, this is it. And I really do love doing this. And this is, uh, you know, even if I don't make it a full, even if I'm not, if I don't make it per se, uh, as like my full-time career, it's something that I never not want to be a part of my life. Yeah, there's, um, with the exception of having children, you always want to regret um, doing something, then regret not doing something. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> my boss told me that, which is why I even, even fathomed being a returning adult student. Never mind, you know for a program that you, you just don't see a bunch of 33 year olds running around. They're all, you know, they're all recruited and they're all toured or whatever. And, um, for me, I think I've always knew I can do this cause everybody's like, you're wasting your time here. I, I, I recite movies from beginning to end. I'd, I'd see characters and portray them. I would hear accents long enough and, and next thing you know, I'm from that country. So, um, for me, the defining moment was actually the audition because I didn't, know what I was getting into until I looked around. I looked at the environment around. So, and every, because I was, um, I was a liberal arts major 
you know, just, just looking to find my way at Marymount. Just six credits, summer school, six credits here. And they're like, well, you got to audition again in the theater program. I'm like, oh, no problem, whatever, because I didn't realize the seriousness and, and where they were yeah. ranked and all that. And yeah, okay, if I got to audition, I got to audition. And didn't realize the seriousness until that morning I came early. And you know how they do dance first? Then they do like mm -hmm. musical theater. And then like the afternoon is like straight acting. Just watching someone come out of the dance thing, crying to her mom. You know, she didn't do it. She's crying and this person's crying and this person's stressing out. This one's telling her mom, don't talk to me. Okay, I'm, I'm just, I need some space. I need some space. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be ready. Can you give me space? So then now I'm looking around and I'm just like, the fuck did I get myself into? I go to the bathroom, had to like throw some water on my face, looked in the mirror and just basically that whole, that Eminem moment, you know, like yeah. if, if this is, if this is who you think you are, you know, this, this is no time to be worrying about shit. You know, you, 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 you survive the interview process. Cause they, again, they're not recruiting adult students, uh, returning adult students for this program. So I survived that interview process. The guy took a liking to me, got me my shot and I went in there. And when I left without, um, I use a monologue from a monologue book, which you weren't supposed to do. I use an accent which you weren't supposed to do, but I'm from Brooklyn, so no one really noticed anyway. So, um, and there's two kinds of people that compliment you. There are people that compliment you because it's th it's the polite thing to do. Hey, hey, get stuff out there. Hey, you know, hey, you too, whatever. And then there's the kind of person that was just like, dude, I just told my mom about you, that, that this guy in the room, and and he's like, I want to introduce you to my father. This is the guy that was in the room, um, and that was when I knew that it had legs and to me if it had legs i was gonna run i knew i was gonna trip and i knew i was gonna fall and i knew uh being in that kind of environment by the second year you you kind of size up people and see who they are and who they are for real and i'm not just talking about the students i'm talking about the faculty i'm talking about everybody i ain't talking about patricia simon because she's already she's already in the news and we can talk about her later um never but, had her i don't think so no. i i I only heard well, no, the BF, no, the BFA people really don't because you don't, who the hell has time for a musical theater minor when you're in a BFA, you know, yeah. unless you, you get kicked out or, or unless you switch on your own, you know, you, you switch on your own. I, uh, I switched at the end of the junior year because this the senior year, the classes are two and a half hours and I couldn't take a lunch hour for two and a half hours. Like year one and year two is an hour and 20 minutes. So, you know, mm -hmm. I could take an hour and a half lunch right five minutes to walk there five minutes to walk back and then maybe work nine nine to five thirty but i knew that it had legs um after the the ridiculous amount of praise i got you know and um two days later i get a call from david mold um him telling me like he noticed i checked off ba or whatever and wanted to know if i was interested in the bfa instead and i'm like sure you know and he and and he's like in fact, can, are you near school? You want to come in and talk? I'm like, sure, come in and talk. And I hang up the phone and my, I tell my friend, I'm like, that's David Moe. She's like, oh my God, this is so rare. I'm like, what's rare? <laughs> what, what, what's so rare? And she's like, hey, just go in. I don't want to make you nervous. I don't want to make you nervous. And she knew basically, because you know you got to wait a month to see if you got accepted on this and that. So yeah. I tell my friends at my job, right? I, I'm like, dude, I think I nailed it. 
I think I nailed it. I think I whatever. And and then when I left the room, there were people in the room like, oh, my God, he's going to be so disappointed when he finds out he doesn't get in. You know, it's a, it's going to break his heart when he finds out he doesn't get in. And then I thought I'd have to, I'd have to, I thought I'd have to sweat it out and wait a couple of weeks for the letter. And instead, I get a, a call on my last cell on my battery um, from David Mould. Um, and I acted like an idiot when I picked up the phone. I'm like, hi, you reached Jason DeBeas. And I'm like, hi, I'm looking for Jason DeBeas. You've reached such a man. I am he. And he's like, hey, David Moe from Marymount, Manhattan. I'm just like, a stranger should call me now, um, sir. <laughs> I happen to be in front of the school. So then he's, he explains it to me. Then I go in. And um, in the end, it was the right thing to do because I understand it's easier to switch, to be in the BFA and switch out than it is to not be in and try to switch in. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it, it definitely, yeah, you made, um, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you know, you made the call that you thought was best for you, and I, I remember, I mean, I remember uh, you were, you were good. I mean, you, you, you had a natural ability of just, I mean, then again, you were, you know, you were older than us, but I think that that ability of just not caring is really that characteristic that showed on stage because you did the work so mm -hmm. you didn't need to prove that you did the work you just but the, but the technique the technique and yeah, what they were trying to the teach technique. me it got me in jury trouble dude i was basically in trouble richard was trying to talk me out and into switching out that semester <laughs> and then the next semester you know um they, they we had a little conf conversation and that's told kevin and and david i'm like before you even get started i'm not i'm not you know I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go to year three. I'm, you know. I mean, I already registered for Liz Wayne, but I, I kind of saw, I was doing it with Tabitha, a scene with Tabitha, mm -hmm. and I already saw they weren't even paying attention. So <laughs> it was one of those things. Like the jury collectively wasn't paying attention. So I, I um, I was like, no, nah, I'm good. You know, I already know. Yeah. I already know what I can do. And and honestly, at my third year, it allowed me to take a checkoff technique which was more my speed because it wasn't checkoff technique didn't wasn't about tearing you down and building you up. It was very connected to Strasbourg and sense memory and things that I can reflect on using my own experience, right? Like if I'm doing a yeah. military movie, I don't have to imagine I'm, you know, a, a cadet recruit. I actually served in the military. Like if I'm work if I'm if I'm if it's a job working at a, if it's a if it's a role working in a hospital, I have direct um, direct um, knowledge uh, for my sense memory of what it feels like, what it smells like, what it, what it looks like. So, so uh, that pro that as far as techniques and someone trying to um, each either teach you one technique or you as an actor taking these all of these techniques and tailor making your own, which is what I ended up doing in the end anyway, uh, was more important to me than them trying to beat me over the head with Sanford Meisner, which by the yeah, way, I mean, and, which and in, in whom respect, the respect I have is profound, you know? Right, but, and think about the actors that we love, that we love watching, we don't ever watch them and go, oh, that was some real Sanford Meisner technique right there. Yeah, <clears throat> wow, that was real Udahog. Like, <clears throat> you, you don't, at the end of the day, you don't see that. I mean, there are these, these, these techniques that are out there are, you, you can, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm of like, you know, there's the school of thought of, um, you know, you, there's different parts of techniques that work for you. And that's why you're, you're you. There's not like one thing where it's like, no, I only do Sanford Meisner. It's like, yeah, but, um, you know, Chekhov's got some good points here. It's like, nope, Sanford Meisner. Um, there's, uh, it, it's, 
I mean, there's, there's I mean, volleyball players are getting a kick out of this, by the way. Oh, are they? Because <laughs> we have different techniques and styles or whatever, and everyone thinks midline passing is the best way to go. And Karch Karai, best player to ever play the game. No, midline is oh, it's ridiculous. It's a waste of it's a waste of um time I and think, reps. You know, you if, know? If, yeah, and exactly. And like, look, if that's the technique that only works for you, then then great. Like, it, it however, everyone has a different process, and as long as you're open to learning about new processes or um, adjusting the process that you're working with, I mean, that's just going to make you a better actor or better anything. If you just yeah. stick in your, your single-minded. Yeah. Um, Having help along the way helps. Having people yeah, yeah, to that. keep those things in perspective helps. Two people helped me through my sophomore, junior, and senior year. Lauren Bacall, who was a patient at my office who never sat in the waiting room, so we'd have conversations about this. I ended up writing an, an eight-page research paper on her using um, Key Largo. Um, as a, as the as the the foundation the platform for acting for the camera, and she right. she agreed to do a five question interview for me as a supplement because we we had to use two reliable sources. So I told my professor, how about I just use one reliable source and it's and it's and it's her because I had to write the paper about her. So she and I she, and I was like, how about instead of two reliable sources, I just do one, and I give you a five question interview I have with her, you know so. And she's like, if you can pull it off, sure, do it. Because she didn't know. She didn't know what, where I was working. She's like, she didn't know. How, you know, I'm not going to say I was a rock star like that, but I'm going to say it for intensive purposes of the podcast. She didn't know I was a rock star like that. Um, so then Lauren Bacall comes in the office and I'm like, I want to do a five-question interview. I'm writing a paper about you. And the best way to know about you is to talk to you. Five-question interview. Can you do it for me? And she looks at me. She's like, you got any drugs? <laughs> So I pull out this bag full of full of fucking um, uh, samples of everything that she takes. Lipitor, boom. Cholesterol med, it's in there. Allegra, you know, um, for allergies, boom. Uh, uh, Nexium, the stomach pill, all of it's in there. So a week, two weeks go by and I, I just think she forgets. And now I'm just, yeah. I'm trying to write my paper and I'm like, all right, I got to do, the, the, do it the way she wanted and then... Randomly, she comes in for a B12 injection and just sits next to me and pulls out the, the paper I, I faxed to her secretary. Hmm, what's the most important thing I've ever learned from Humphrey Bogart? Well, the audience is always one step ahead of you. And I'm just like, I'm just like looking for a fucking paper, a pen, something, you know. Uh, uh, that's not a pen. That's, uh, you know, uh, 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 that's not a piece of paper. That's a light bulb. So, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, dude, that was you. That was. So that's that that's an education right there that you got. Like, that was wow. a gangster move. I get a, a a she put a plus plus bravo exclamation point exclamation point. So Lauren Bacall and I can go. I, I have five different stories, but I'm just going to give you that one. And the second person was Anna Strasberg, uh, Lee, Lee's wife, uh, the late Lee Strasberg's wife, who runs the school with um, Victoria Crane. Um, she was also a patient and. She gave me a five-question interview for Harold Clerman for Elements of Directing. I had to do a write-up on Harold Clerman, and I did. I pulled a double gangster move. I did the same thing. I was like, "How about I just use use one resource?" And I use Anna Strasberg, and she's like, "Sure, you know the phony." Okay, sure, you know this kid's in La La Land, and I'm like, you know, she doesn't know one. I'm not a kid, and two. <laughs> I'm a oh gangster. I'm a gangster like that. I still have those papers, by the way. I still oh, have wow. those papers, by the way. And I now, would hope so. Yeah, and now in like her pop quiz, she uses a quote that Lauren Bacall gave me about Humphrey Bogart. 
The audience is always one step ahead of you. If someone has a gun to your face, they already know you're afraid. You don't have to make faces. This is for acting for the camera, where she's yeah. educating the masses on, as we know, the academic differentiation of theater performance and, and the, or the subtlety of doing this on camera, you know, as opposed to, um, so yeah. yeah, cool. Pretty cool story. I wanted to share with you on that. Yeah. That's, I vaguely remember you mentioning that like back in, I don't know, the Nugent lounge, I think. Yeah. She, she's a bug out, man. I took her to Oren's for cookies. One time she went to cookies and then she had a new driver. This is funny. She had a new driver, right? And she's like, are you my driver for today? And he's like, yeah, hop in. So she's like, hop in. Why don't you get the door, jackass? <laughs> I'm 80. Do you know I'm 82 years old? And the guy, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So the whole time he's getting the door, she's like, hop in. <laughs> Bye. I'll see you later. Bye. <laughs> and I'm just like. That's, oh, man. That yeah. is some gangster. That's some gangster shit. It was right great. There. It was great taking her to Orange because Orange had a lot of people that were uh, theater students at the time. And you walk in with her and they're just like, oh, my God, that's La that's Lauren Bacall. You know, what you doing with that guy in Scrubs? That guy in Scrubs, he's at Marymount. <laughs> that's him. That's him. That's the guy. So um, good times, dude. Good times. That's awesome. Um, uh, I guess I should finish. I have a group of questions and I'm just crossing half of them off. Um, Wait, real quick. There's one funny story I remember. Please. When I first uh, met you, um, and this is all very general because I'm going back, but the punchline is there. And I forget who it was, but it was someone who was in your class, in your in your uh, sophomore year class. And they were like, oh, you met Jason. I go, yeah. They're like, did you know that he's like over 30, like 33? He's like, no, I had no idea. They're like, yeah, we didn't either. I think it was, it was, it was freshman year. It was freshman acting one. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were talking about something. And he goes, man, I haven't cried that much since when I was in high school back in 1996. And everybody just stopped and went, <laughs> what <laughs> don't seem possible <laughs> it did not seem possible I, it was either you said like i didn't cry that much since i was in high school but you would reference a movie too and i was and i can't for the life of me yeah. i can't remember the movie but it was something that like everybody just went that is a dated reference um yeah. who is this man yeah i mean only my uncle or like some people, even their parents, <laughs> you know, uh, coming in early or late in the house would be like, okay, obviously he's older. The question is how much older? Uh, my big dirty secret came out my sophomore year. My freshman yeah. year, um, only a few people knew. Ashley Ahmad Devois asked me if I wanted, uh, our freshman year, I was asked if she wanted to get some food. Chill. I, wanted, I showed her a spot called Ye Old Triple N, which was like this un underground theater spot across the street from the Eugene O'Neill Theater where the, the most working burger you've ever had is like four fifty, four bucks and fries or whatever. Drinks were dirt cheap. It was a real dive, but they had live um, artistic performances and music. So I took Ashley there one night and she's like, wait, he's asking me on a date? And, and don't get me wrong, Ashley's hot. Okay, Ashley's a timelessly hot, but I wasn't doing that. But um, I told her how old I was. A conversation that came up. She's, wait, how old are you? Because like you said, I started talking about the military and this and that. I'm like, I'm 33. And she's like, I don't believe you. I don't, that's crazy. I don't believe, show me, show me some ID. Ashley said, show me some ID. I don't believe you. So it came out my sophomore year because in the newspaper, The Envoy, there was a question, who's the big man on campus? 
right? And everyone gave different answers. Oh, I think it's this guy. I think it's that guy. And of course, a sunrise was like, we don't have a campus. <laughs> that was like my favorite answer, right? Oh, so, yeah. I so it's the question that. of we who's the big campus. man on campus. A sunrise's friend said this, the 34-year-old sophomore. <laughs> I re- Oh, my God. You're remembering. And then what, everybody's because... like, wait, 34-year-old sophomore. They're like, that's... And then um, Ashley and a few key people knew. You knew before some other people too. And they're like, no, it's Jason. And then it, it spread in my class because a lot of people didn't know. And the year after me, which was you, you guys. Holy yeah. shit, Jason's 34? You know? I went to his 34th birthday. He had two two people whose combined age had his party. Jesus, <laughs> you I'm know? your age when you were in... A sophomore in in college. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Oh my God. I look. I'm what you would recall a, a, a call a returning returning adult student. I tried this whole college thing. Didn't work out the first time as a BMCC community college. Joined the military. Fuck it. Ended up playing professional volleyball there a little bit. Then went to Hunter College uh, for a cup of coffee. I, I never went to class. I just wanted to play in CAA volleyball. And I knew they had a, it was D3, but they had a D2 and D1 schedule. So um, I went there for a cup of coffee, never went to class, dropped out. And then everybody just started talking about this acting thing. You, 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 you shouldn't be here. My boss is like, why are you here? Why are you here as a file clerk? I, I don't care what you do. Just do something. But everyone just gets talking about acting, acting. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go to Marymount, take some liberal arts courses. If I get in, I'll finish my education there. And if I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll stay at Marymount, liberal arts, and get my degree that way. Because at that time period, if you if you remember, no one was hiring you without your BA or BS. You know, yeah. now, now in this day and age, they just they just want someone with a fucking experience. They don't they even just, care. They just, they just want someone who they can suck the blood out of a diamond yeah. easily. That's, that's no, about but, it. And, and someone that they can trust doing it while, while, while sucking them, you know? Yeah. Sucking yeah. them. That came out wrong. But, um, but yeah, that was... Out, no, it came out right. Came out just right. <laughs> Jason <laughs> But that was... He's going to suck it right out of you. Oh. Ooh. And just then there was a little bit of static on our mics. <laughs> I think that was our mic saying, hey, guys, hey, listen, this is how we do our podcast. This is, again, it's a podcast. So my dirty little secret was, yeah, uh, came out my sophomore year. And the cool thing was, like, it was great. It was great. I got to teach guys half my age how to treat a woman, you know. It was also great having, it was flattering having girls significantly younger than you ask you out. You know, like, Jason, what are you doing tonight? You know, I got this spot. I want to know if you want to come through. And I'm like, you know, I'm 34, right? And she's like, so, so you're, so you're saying no? And I'm like, uh, no, no, I'm not no. saying no. Yes, yes, I'm saying no. Yes, yes, no, no. Well, no, I'm not saying no. And yes, yeah, I'll come. Yes, yes, I'll come. So, so I, I just think that's flattering. And 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 I made a lot of a lot of cool friends, you know, in this and that. Oof. I have on my list um, getting our Facebook and social media friends back. <laughs> Weather the storm, cleanse. I don't even know why I put that. <laughs> um, cleanse your cleanse your list or embrace friends with different values. I like that question. Wait a second. No, 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 no. I know I wrote this. Weather the storm. This is social media friends. Some of our yeah. friends, it's smart friends, all right? Some of them are left for its own sake and some of them are, are right for its own sake. 
And there's this, I'll speak for myself and I'll give you the floor. There's this heightened level of disappointment that intelligent friends seem to center their arguments or the stances they take or who they choose or what they choose to believe based on who they voted against right. and who they voted for. Um, so I said, well, this is the question, cleanse your friends list or just continue to embrace friends with different values? You know, I say, I, I, I don't know. I, I'd say, obviously, you know, you're friends with different values. I think we're in such a weird, uncharted, uncharted territory right now where mm -hmm. it, it's I, the best analogy I, I saw was back in the day, two different people could look at a six and someone could say it's a nine and the other person says it's a six, but it's still, it's still both. So you can have that argument. Um, now it's divulged into this point where, I mean, I know people and have had friends that it, it's like, I just don't want to be you anymore. Like, it's not even like I have to choose to cleanse you cleanse me. Like you just, you're not enjoyable to be around. Like, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. And, and also if that's your point of view and you're that committed to it without hearing any openness, then I mean, what's then what are we doing here? I, at a certain age, you just, um, you just don't have time for that kind of, that kind of crap. So I'm all about embracing people with different views. Um, when it comes to a lot of this though, I think it's, it's, there's so much more to it because it's like, look, I'm going to embrace you still as a friend, even though you, your views seem totally wildly, uh, out of place. But the question is, do you know why they're out of place? Has anybody explained to you why they're out of place? Um, can we have that conversation? Because if I explain to you why I think you're completely off the rails and holding on to values or ideals that would otherwise be considered uh, just monstrous, um, maybe you're just not seeing it from the right point of view. Yeah. And if they're willing to listen, and you can have that conversation and we get to the root of why you have that, it's, you know, then, then, then great. But there are some people that no matter how much you provide empirical evidence, facts, um, uh, you know, it, it won't get passed. And it's no longer like, well, it's a difference of opinion. It's like, no, you're just an <laughs> asshole and you aren't, and you're not willing to see reality. So no, I don't want, that kind of person, I don't have any room to embrace. Um, if you can have a conversation still and you're open to at least understanding why believing something might not, just at least if you're in the realm of understanding, you're not going to change everybody. And you got to figure out like what the root is that people are, are have these beliefs. Like where is it coming from? Some of it is just so ingrained that you, no matter how much you, um, you profess and that you try to convince them otherwise it's never going to do anything yeah i um i think you've seen enough of my social media activity to see yeah. um the level of fairness and i think i have a lot of activity on my social media network because um i'm older and these aren't new friends i made with extreme ideas these are friends i grew up with and you have different ideologies or you grow apart a little bit but at the, at, the, at the end of the day you still care about what's good for their family 
what's good for their friends, what's good for their life, right. what's good for their children. You know, a lot, a lot of my friends are, I mean, they had kids earlier than me, they fucking kids off to college right now, for Christ's sakes, you know? I mean, I'm a little late in the house with this whole kids thing. But I think the reason why I'm able to have such a network of friends that are both extreme left and right, I, I, I listen to everybody. I don't treat someone like crap because of their ignorance, because ignorance is not only bliss, well, it's constitutional, you know, I mean, and then I think I also have a group of friends with me that are able to decipher facts, opinions, and people don't believe there's a middle, but there's a middle, there are your opinions based on historical facts, right? Right. All right, fact, this guy has a gun guy has a badge he's wearing blue he's got a card that says nypd it is my opinion he's a cop <laughs> i mean to you and me that's a fact obvious is obvious right but it could be halloween or whatever but but i'm that that's a, that's a an obtuse example i'm just trying to say it is my opinion based on correlation of this or this or that and and there's some people like well based on my on what i i understand i'm this and i'm like cool i see where you're coming from I'm still here on this and I'm not I'm not quite where you are and maybe I'm stupid or, or maybe I'm just fucking smarter than you but it is what it is and our next evolution we can still talk like human beings because there're going to be some stuff that we do agree on that can bring us full circle on where I saw I was wrong about their argument uh, retrospectively or where they could see I was, I was wrong about theirs retrospectively right. so but it only re really works for me because they're old friends I'm not recruiting new friends who are fucking idiots, okay? I just yeah. keep I just keep the old ones, all right? Joe Rogan, if you ever listen to his podcast, mm -hmm. he has all kinds of friends that just have crazy ideas and he and he continues to love them to pieces. All right? Brendan Schaub's a good, a good friend of his. Uh Brian Callen, who's going through some me too shit right now, is uh, um he's I uh, love him. I mean, I Yeah. I I I, I actually I'm not familiar with whatever me too stuff he's going through, he's been he's that, been accused of rape uh, um, that oh happened man, a while ago, and he, I did not. And instead, no, look, instead of hiding, though, he's yeah. on. There's two things you can do when you're accused of rape, right? Especially if you did do it, you can hide, let shit die down, or you could just come out front front street and apologize and say, hey, you know what? Uh, it was an extreme situation. It wasn't like blatant rape. Maybe it was just someone that you kissed. You you kind of forced. You got drunk and you thought she wanted to kiss you. That was a mistake. I apologize. She accepts your apology and life goes on. But not him. He went on Front Street. I did not do this. In fact, I'm going to keep going on Front Street until she apologizes publicly. So so there there's consist there's behavior consistent with someone who's in extreme denial or just innocent that makes me. Uh, hold on to the old mantra of innocent until proven guilty because mm -hmm. to me rape is one of the only crimes where I'm leaning towards guilty until proven innocent it's just it's just a, such a tough thing for a woman to come forward to you know oh so, yeah if you put me on a jury and it's a mm -hmm. rape trial and I go does anybody have a bias I'm like yeah, yeah you're yeah, like I need fucking tape like, or I'm going to jail like, I need videotape I, <laughs> I'm going to jail yeah yeah that's um you don't want me on that jury it's uh I, I don't care what evidence you got it's not yeah, gonna be good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, it's just very, very important. I'll tell you a story that some might might consider sexual assault, or just something that's not what everybody thinks. Marymount, Manhattan. I'm not gonna use the girl's name. Went to dinner with her, right? West Side. Uh, we're kind of hitting it off, right? And my impulse. <laughs> 
<laughs> and this is where you should tell me to shut up. My impulse tells me. <laughs> God damn it, your impulse, Jay. Your fucking impulse. Facebook Live right now. Yes, my impulse tells me. Um, I want to kiss this girl, and I, and I think she wants to kiss me. So I kiss her, right? And then when I walk her home, I kiss her again. But when I leave, there's a part of me that felt like she kissed me back to be accommodating. Like she wasn't down with it, but it wasn't like the worst thing in the world. So she she's one of those, she kind of let it ride or whatever. So two weeks later, um, a week and a half later, I'm like, listen, there was this part of the night where I like kissed you and I thought you... um probably didn't want to kiss me back but you did and if i if i was too forward or whatever just want to let you know that's not my style i'm so sorry okay i'm um i'm just putting it out on front because it's been bothering me you know what she said she said thank you so much and i felt like shit and i'm like dude i ain't making i ain't making no first move again the only thing worse than you trying to kiss a girl and a girl going have you lost your fucking mind is <laughs> a girl that kisses you back <laughs> I would that didn't the other want way. to. So some people would consider that me not, um, oh, well, where I'm from, you ask permission. Where I grew up, the guy always asked permission when I'm like, what fucking tiny ass world? Uh, um, that is the right thing to do, ask permission. I get that. But what fucking tiny ass world do you think everybody else lives in where there there is an impulse thing where you know it and she knows it? And, and a lot of times you get it right. But in cases like I did, I got it wrong. Yeah. Um, could it have been avoidable if I asked if she wants to kiss me? She might she, she might have said yes anyway, right? I mean, to not embarrass me or herself. Maybe yeah. she would have been accommodating anyway. So, But that's a situation where you're like, it happened a long time ago. I'm, I'm, I'm different now. And, and it is what it is, you know? Um, right. Who's the fucking but politician? I, yeah. that, politi that, that politician that got on, who's on SNL? And got called out for his inappropriate behavior, like groping this girl. Oh, um, yeah, Al Franken. Al Franken. That yeah. pissed me the fuck off. This is a guy that did something inappropriate in an inappropriately charged environment. 11 years later, girl comes forward. I had a problem with that. And he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. She accepts his apology. But because he, his apology to the court of public opinion isn't good enough, they call for his fucking head. You know? He apologized. She accepted his apology. The situation really is just between two people and not who he is as yeah. a collective whole, you know? I mean, I wouldn't put that in the same, like, you know, it, it it's, it's, it's unacceptable. Uh, it's it is obviously unacceptable. And it's something that I, I think is society. It's, it's the thing that needs to be recognized and changed because in a situation like that, the person should have been more comfortable to have come forward and say, yeah, this is wrong. But now, you know, we, we've, we've gone to a point where, I mean, there, there is, there is this, um, you know, this, this correction curve where it, it's time that we, we need to be more aggressive. I feel like in order to, um, in order to just get things back to a level, get things to a place where, um, those actions, no matter how small, are at, at the time, in the moment, uh, and they don't wait, and people don't sit and suffer in silence, and, and that, you know, it's the same thing that goes back to sexual assault and rape and all that, where people are believed. Um, we didn't live in a culture like that for a very long time, and now that, you know, we're, we're experiencing that, that course correction, um, you know, everything is going to be under the microscope, um, and that's, 
there, there's going to be people who are going to, uh, you know, they're, they're going to get affected by that. And yeah, yeah for Al Franken, everything that went, that, that happened to him, uh, I, I think him resigning, um, I don't know if that necessarily would have been the thing that would have had to have, have happened if it, if the situation was handled differently yeah. and it wasn't, it yeah. didn't happen at that moment in that political environment. Yeah. There, everything was there were given circumstances at the time that, that, right. that they, why, as to why they pressured him. If you remember, that was the time where Trump was, um, the, the yeah. DNC was coming after Trump for his alleged rape case. And then they didn't call for Franken's head, right? They seemed like hypocrites. You've got Franken doing the right thing and, and understanding the situation and removing himself because he's, he just knows. It's like, yeah, this is, this is not the time. Uh, maybe at another point, he might have been able to, um, might have been able to, to have his apology more accepted and it be less, um, and, and the resolution be less uh, drastic, but that, that we are in that time. Um, and meanwhile, it's just like the contradiction between the people that are in power that have, uh, obviously had abuses, abuses and whatnot. And you're like, but I mean, where, where do we draw? Like, where, where is this, there's the, the, the double standard here between like, well, it's, you know, that, you know, everyone's now calling out like, well, uh, I love how people are like, oh yeah, but Bill Clinton and we're like, yeah, I, you won't find a single person that I know that likes Bill Clinton as a president. That's not going to go. Yeah. Dude was very inappropriate and there, you know, I don't, and he obviously did not have, um, what that didn't happen in the same environment where it was a me too environment. So, I mean, this is why it's happening. That's true. It's, yeah. I mean, I went from a guy who, when Bill Clinton, when that happened in the nineties and again, you know, I guess I lived through a lot of it. I went from a guy laughing at Chris Rock saying he's the president. He's supposed to get hit, you know, um, we're like, um, up to a point where, as years go by, and you don't just look at Monica Lewinsky, um, you look at just uh, um, a, an, an alleged pattern, you know, of of, of his past uh, and, and prior, prior to that. Way, yeah, yeah, and the way they, they they treated women, like I mean, look, we're two guys talking about this right now. So I'm I'm the the, the one thing I learned um, that I've taken away from everything that's happened is I don't actually don't like talking about these these issues as much because. Um, you know, I'm, I'm here to, I, I, I want to listen more mm -hmm. and understand because I've, I haven't been enough of an active participant in not stopping these things from happening. Um, well, which I think you can't, I mean, you can yeah. and you can't, you can and you can't. Okay. Yeah. Listen, um, I had a, a guest karaoke queen, Liz, Liz Ribble. And my, my technician's also a woman. I shut the fuck up, which is impossible for me to do, for 20 straight minutes. And, I, and my tech broke, you know, uh, pulled up the fourth wall. And they talked about the Me Too movement and women's issues and this and that. And for me, like when I find, they finally gave me a chance to talk, I was cold, but I was truthful. I said, you know, this whole Me Too thing, when they're asking guys, what are you going to do about it? And I said, what am I going to do about it? Absolutely nothing. And they're just like, oh, yeah. I'm not going to do shit. And I said, do you know why? I said, because the same people that you're asking to do something about it were the same people that set up these fucking rules that made that put you in this position to begin with.
right? You're paying, you're getting paid 70 cents on the dollar. In the past, we weren't allowed to go to church with fucking pants. We weren't allowed to be a minister, right? So now the same people that did that to you, you want to come up to us and say, hey, hey, me, Will, let's go get Adam Toback. Let's get a bunch of boys. We're going to have a meeting, just boys only, and decide how we're going to treat women. Hell no. Hell, go kick rocks. I ain't going to do nothing except shut the F up and listen. Why am I saying F when I've been saying fuck the whole podcast? Shut the F up and listen. Shut the you know, F also, up like, you know, and listen. Listen and then realize where you can be an active contributor and, and believing women. And also if there's like donating, protesting, uh, fundraising that you can mm. do. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot that you can do without having to... Um, I want to say, like, have a vocal opinion if it doesn't affect yeah. you. Uh, just listening and being and having those conversations. And, and I mean, it just it goes beyond not just the, the Me Too movement. I think anybody who isn't um, directly affected by a lot of the issues that are happening. Right. Um, just like you said, needs to shut the fuck up and listen and go, how can I help? What can yeah. I do? Like, don't, but don't say, what are we going to do? You, you tell no, no. me, tell me what you want me to do. <laughs> okay. Or, or, you know, or, or look around and be like, Hey, I, I want to do this. I want to be active doing this to help. I want to do that. But, um, I feel like if, it, if you know, having, having a, a strong opinion about it, um, <laughs> that doesn't benefit anybody. It only just, benefits it, some, some, someone, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but it only benefits someone if, you have this conversation where you give each other uh, permission to think out loud. Because right. sometimes putting your thoughts together, um, someone who's already combative might take one small thing of what you, what you were saying and use it as a straw man uh, uh, argument to judge you as a collective whole, which I think is the, the most laziest and disingenuous thing to do. But, but if you don't know who you're talking to and, and they, they're targeting you, it's easy. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's just the, the environment I think we're in right now is that everybody's looking for a way to take a small thing out of context and reverse it on you yeah. back on your argument when it has absolutely no point. It, you know, it's the, it's, it's, it's the thing where, you know, it's like by the end of the, you start an argument and then within five minutes, you're not even arguing about the same damn thing anymore because if the other person knows how to just twist yeah. it. Uh, the argument turns back into something that's in favor of whatever they want. to talk. How, yeah. How do we and, get the dinosaurs being extinct? Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, wait, <laughs> wait, what is the Pope? controlling now i'm mind thought 5g does what what oh, you know man. what you know about paw patrol <laughs> yeah. do you know paw patrol no you don't shut up um <laughs> uh i will summarize it because we're going to wrap up pretty soon um yeah. and i'll give you the last word but i wanted to quote a um a line from the play a dreamer examines his pillow this is the father talking to his daughter he says, listen, I'm going to tell you something, and this is for you to poke through the soup and find the meat, all right? There's, there's, there's issues. There's men, issues that are men's issues, and there's issues that are women's issues. This whole thing where you're telling me you're afraid you're going to grow up and become your mother, that's a woman's issue. So my suggestion to you is you go talk to a woman about that. But there's a place under that place where men and women get to meet and talk. And it's deep. And it's dark. And it's as old as the motherfucking stars. If you want my help, or if you want me to listen to and, and help you decipher what's going on, that's the place we're going to have to be. 
And, and that's that's the line. But that's very, very meaningful. If we give each other to to have to go to this place, this old school place where men and women get to meet and talk, pour out your, your thoughts, um, not necessarily judgment free, but but allow someone a chance to think, at least if even if you, under, you disagree with them, you understand them fully. You know, and if you are their friend and if you do care, you do try to raise questions. You don't tell. Sometimes you tell them how because you're an authority in, in a certain department. And then sometimes you just keep you constantly pose the question. You constantly pose the question. You know, retrospective action is important. You know, I mean, it's and that's not where I was going with this monologue. But retrospective action is important because if you discover something that shaped who you are now. Um, maybe you could get on with life. Silence of the lambs, right? Sansa the Lambs, yeah. when um, she was like, when when he asked her, you feel like if you catch Buffalo Bill, the, the lambs will stop screaming? Remember the remember she let the lambs go from getting yeah. from being slaughtered or whatever, and her answer was, I don't know, but that's but that's the conversation. He asked this. It wasn't about answering the question. It's about constantly posing the question. She said, I don't know, and he says, Thank you, Clarice. <laughs> Fucking shrink. Um. Anything you want to say before we leave? Any, any, anything you want to plug? Any, any particular website or anyone wants to get to know Will Farrell better? Uh, no, like, you know what? I, um, I, I don't have anything specific. I don't have anything specific to plug. All right. Um, I, I'm, I'm always, I, I hope I didn't, I'm realizing now that this was live. Oh, man. Well, this is, gets taken down. Anyone, this gets taken down and then um, um, the edited version comes later. So if anyone's trying to catch anything you missed, <laughs> they got to catch you now forever. Hold their peace. Or go on iTunes it's and Spotify. The it's, it's the internet, Jason. It lives here forever. It's okay. I'd like to take this time to apologize to absolutely no one. Um, but for, <laughs> but for oh, you. Oh, no, I'm kidding. No, I, no you. I've actually, um, I, I, I've enjoyed, your, um, I've enjoyed your, your posts on Facebook. I, I do uh, I see the back and forth, make a lot of very good points, um, but it just speaks to you and why you're able to have as many people onto a podcast, no matter the differences. And just uh, have have uh, open and uh, meaningful conversations about anything. So uh, yeah. that is a gift, and I, I really appreciate you inviting me on. And oh, I've been waiting a long time for this. <laughs> oh man, I yeah. hope I didn't. I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't disappoint you like the hostess. Oh my God! Don't make me add you to that list. Ah, no, come on, get out of here. Go, you better go somewhere with that. No, I, I. There are people like you, Matt Dumont. Um, some point I'd love to have Rachel on, but there are some people who I'll remember forever because the time we spent together, uh, albeit a small or a big scale, have affected my life and changed my way of thinking. You know, like you, 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 you your purest thought when you were young and just your unassuming nature and how to treat people just reminded me that I don't have to do everything the hard way all the time. It's not as hard. It's really, when you think about it, when you poke through the soup and find the meat, it's, it's really easy to eat. <laughs> you know? I thought it was you, my ability to find both chicken and vodka in the middle of Spanish Harlem. Yo, that video is going to be its own separate clip to use to promote this podcast, my man. <laughs> you know, honestly, dude, I mean, come on. You grew up in New York. You know that getting chicken, bucket of chicken, and, and I think you were just surprised. Like, yeah, I knew the place existed. I just didn't expect him to find it. Yeah. But listen, when I grew up in Brooklyn, I wasn't old enough to drink. So I didn't know the chicken places had vodka. And then when I moved to Harlem, 
Harlem has liquor stores across the street from each other. So I had to learn from someone who wasn't a native New Yorker that I can, in fact, <laughs> buy vodka, buy that hard, some, hard some liquor. Some genius out there yeah. thought, you know what really goes well Calif together? What? Alcohol and fried chicken. Yes. Californians are laughing at us. You know why? Because here they sell, I mean, I'm enlightening them on something that they didn't know. Dwayne Reed, CVS, they sell hard liquor here. New York, New York, for my California friends, New York only sells beer and some wines and at, at local it's, it's at supermarkets. It's, like, it's, it's at, Chateau Diane. Yes. It's got like a 0.4% alcohol. Yeah, to it. exactly. But it's enough to get our girl shit facing sorry in the morning, right? Oh, man, I feel like I'm in Europe. <laughs> you got some cheese for this shit? <laughs> so, no, but for my California friends who are about to laugh at us, they go to the supermarket, Vons, whatever. There's hard liquor. You go to CVS, there's hard liquor. We can only, New York, we can only purchase hard booze at, at, a, at a liquor store. Or, say it with me, Will, <laughs> the chicken place. <laughs> the chicken place, yes. And on that note. <laughs> We're out of here, all right? Um, I'd like to take this time to thank you for surviving this episode. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit my music at the end, okay, but I want you to podcast, stay on afterwards. Yeah, um, so, I could, so I could say goodbye. But for everybody else, uh, Will might love you and you guys might love Will, but I had enough of you. For everybody at home watching this, for everybody on their desktop who runs the world old school, old school. For everybody in their iPads watching this, for everybody in their iPhone waiting on, online at a restaurant but can't resist, they got to watch us live. For everybody watching on their Droid, Android. For Will Farrell, I am Jason DeBeas and I speak for both of us when I say... We're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.